Natalie. Hey, Tara. What's up? How are you? Doing all right. How are you? I'm feeling a little evil today. Ooh, are you? Yes. What are you up to? I hope I'm not in your path of destruction. <laughs> I don't know. I have been watching a lot of true crime lately. <laughs> Yikes. I just don't understand how some people's minds work. Some of the stuff I've been seeing is entirely messed up. Yeah. Have you seen the girl in the picture? No, what's that? It had so many twists. I was like, I cannot believe this is even real. This is a show or a podcast? It's a true crime documentary. Documentary, okay. I can't even say anything else about it. You just have to watch. Shockingly, that's all I need to hear. And now I must watch it. (laughs) Oh, hi. How are you? Welcome to the store. I'm Tara. And I'm Natalie. Just take a look around. We'll be back here behind the counter if you need us. Um, I also finally finished Stranger Things. Mm, Congratulations. Really solid season, right? Yeah. Did you watch it? I did. Absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. I really love the tie-in of the hits that I feel like we've always loved, uh, like Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush and Mm -hmm. the Master Puppets. I don't know. I'm glad that they're introducing this stuff to the children's who maybe weren't aware before. And now I'm kind of tired of running up that hill. Oh, sad, no, but. you never get tired of Kate Bush. <laughs> no, I think I think the season was, was really amazing. Not just like their use of, of music and, and bringing some popularity back to um, those really incredible classic songs from Kate Bush and Metallica. But just the sound design in general, I was really amazed by. Like everything just sounded so spooky and eerie. It really added a lot of a lot of energy to the whole vibe, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, look who it is. Hey. Hi, guys. It's Jada Abello. <laughs> hey, Jada. What's up? It's my first time in the store. Welcome. Yeah, I know you're a vinyl DJ extraordinaire amongst many other things. So let us know what we need to add to our, our store to make it way cooler. Ooh. <laughs> um, hmm. I just read this book called We Got the Neutron Bomb recently. Um, it's basically kind of like a history of it's a bit of a he said she said kind of like the dirt the molly crew book um but it's a bit of a history of like the early la punk scene which i just have always loved and even more so after reading that book yes i love please kill me that's maybe a little similar vibe too kind of the new york side of it yeah yeah those crazy stuff man (laughs) they were doing some wild stuff yeah but we were just talking about stranger things and usage of some of our favorite 80s songs and just the spooky atmosphere how it was kind of amplified with the music this season i think in an interesting way yeah Yeah. music has been a big part of their whole aesthetic from the start like Mm -hmm. even with the theme song like everybody was so taken with it during that first season and you know I really, really love the music direction on Euphoria, too. There's some really good songs on Euphoria. To be honest, the last season of Euphoria was so intense. I'm a little bit afraid to watch this newest season, but I do know that they have worked in Steely Dan, and so (laughs) I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that show is a hard watch for me as well. (laughs) I have not watched it at all, and now you guys are scaring me. Be careful. Please don't have any children around. It's intense. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's wild. But I mean, Breaking Bad was the same way. I just had so much anxiety watching it that I couldn't finish it. Seriously. 
I plowed through Breaking Bad. I love that. So if I can handle Breaking Bad, you think I'd be okay with Euphoria? Yeah. 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 If there's a lot of like screaming and crying and Breaking Bad, you'll be good. There's more nipples in Euphoria, probably. More nipples. I don't know. Walter White was topless for a lot of the time. But yeah, I'll put it on my binge list. (laughs) Well, it's been a minute since we played our top five high fidelity game. We should maybe toss in something about like, I don't know, maybe character. Different character archetypes. I really like the, um, I've been seeing a lot of like villain era stuff on Instagram, like outfits and makeup inspiration. And Mm -hmm. um, a couple of the DJs that I follow on IG have been doing like little villain playlists and they're so fun. Nice. You want to go down that road? Y- yeah, <laughs> that sounds really fun and interesting. I'm ready. I'm. Let's do it, Natalie. Yeah, let's do it. We're doing some uh, villain villainous songs. Yeah, awesome villain villain theme song. Top five villain songs. <laughs> okay, Natalie, do you want to go first this time? Ooh, let's see. Okay, yes, yes. I think I can get a list together. All right, so I'm going to give you my top five villainy songs. All right, so in at number five, let's start with, and again, (laughs) this is just a list. My number one is definitely my number one, though. I will say that. So number five, I'm going to start with The Ballad of Danny Bailey, 1909 to 1934 by Elton John. Some punk with a shotgun killed young Danny Bailey. Hmm. Yeah, so this one is from his 1973 multi-platinum album, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, written, of course, by Bernie Taupin. And it tells the life and death story of this young gangster named Danny Bailey. But like, if you read the lyrics, which are spectacular, of course, I'm not even really sure who the villain is supposed to be, you know, because the lyrics, they're quite sympathetic toward Danny, who's the gangster, and they more so condemn the punk with the shotgun who took Danny's life, right? So... There's two ways to look at it. And there's this line where they sing in the hook and the harvest is in. And then I guess the cops won again. So maybe the punk who took Danny's life was the cop. Maybe the cop is the villain in the song. I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's also significant in, in the title of the song. It says 1909 to 1934. And I think that year 1934 is intentional um, because in 1934, law enforcement and the FBI, they killed quite a few notable American gangsters who kind of became folk heroes, you know, like uh, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, who's mentioned in The Hook, Pretty Boy Floyd and some others. But um, yeah, I think the arrangement of the song is really great. I especially love the loud snare hit in the beginning that depicts the gunshot that killed him after he sings some punk with a shotgun killed young Danny Bailey. And I just really love creative details like that. And uh, it jams out pretty hard at the end. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Elton John songs. I either just don't recognize the name of it or I've never heard it. It's a deep cut. It's yeah. This is going to be new for me too. Yeah. Check it out. It's really, really rocking. I think it's, it's some of Elton John's best recorded piano playing for sure. I'm intrigued for sure. Mm -hmm. Just on that fact alone. All right. Number four is Vaudeville Villain from Victor Vaughn. Traveling, Aka MF Doom, 
one of his many, many characters, right? So this track is from the late great MF Doom's 2003 album of the same name, Vaudeville Villain. That is a mouthful. I don't, I'm going to be tripping <laughs> over all these Vs. But um, it's his third studio album, and he released it as his time-traveling mad scientist stick-up kid alter ego, Victor Vaughn, who, of course, is named after the Marvel supervillain, Dr. Victor Von Doom. Yeah, so basically, the narrative of the whole album is like, he's in his time machine, and it gets damaged, and he gets stuck in 1990s New York City. So he's just like hustling around the city trying to get money to repair his time machine and return to whatever future alternate dimension he came from. <laughs> and he's just kind of getting into other nefarious shenanigans along the way. It's really fun. He throws a lot of comic book style references and even in just his raps, but also his like sound effects and stuff. Oh, totally, uh, totally. He is. Yeah. I think that's why I love him so much. And there's like, there's like lore behind all of these characters. There are websites, compendiums of like yeah. his HP and his stats and his special powers and his origin story. Like it's really, really insane. He built such a cool like MF Doom universe of, of characters, cinematic yeah. universe. Actually related to that though, the Jada, I know you're also on top of your musical prowess. You're a great artist and you have your own comic book as well. Numb Blonde. Can you talk I about did that? release a comic book. It was kind of a collection of autobio comics that I had been putting on my Instagram and I gained a small little following on IG from them. And, um, and I always like had a goal to put it together as a comic, even when I was a kid, I wanted to. So um, a friend of mine helped me self-publish it and I sold out in a week. And oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now it's in its second edition. There will not be another one because now it's just so old and, you know, like it just doesn't have the same potency to me anymore mm -hmm. to even like, you know, what an old project. You wouldn't want to like uh, keep selling that for the rest of your life. But yeah, I, um, I want to get back into it. And I actually have been writing some stories again. So it's just a matter of drawing them. But uh, I worked wow. as an assistant to a comic book illustrator as well when I was living in New York, Katie Skelly, oh. who she is, uh, she published a story called Maids that is the, a true crime comic book about these two French maid sisters who killed the family that they lived with. And that one's really cool. She writes a lot of, she does a lot of really cool, like high femme, like feminist, gory, sexy comics. Like, oh, um, that's cool. I love that premise. It's cool. She's cool. Yeah. She's like my comic hero. I, I just like uh, sent her like a cold call DM on Instagram and asked if she needed help. And I became her assistant. So it was oh. really cool. Wow. That is, awesome. <laughs> is there any like creatively, is there any overlap between your, your writing and your art versus like your, what you do musically and your DJing? Are they two completely separate personas? Um, I mean, I feel like everything I, I don't know. I feel like everything I do is so intertwined and like music is definitely a part of my comics because like I'll be like listening to a song in one of my comics or something or playing a record like yeah. I I always loved comics that had music in them too. Um there's this one called Blue Monday by China Clugston Major and it's about this like little new wave girl in like 1988 in like suburban California and all of her friends in high school. And it's just so fun. They're always like listening to Adamant and the specials and stuff. I have one of <laughs> those. So cool. I think we talked about that, that one, one time. It's so cute. It's, I love it. It's really cute. Yeah. 
and phonogram. Oh, I love that one. Like that. And Love and Rockets was yeah. that way. And Tank Girl, like she always yeah, had like Girl, a shirt on or something. So yeah, yeah. I just feel like I I, I always lo- really loved like punk music and punk and comics go so well together. So yeah, it's all part of the yeah. same world to me. Yeah, I always love the music and comic book overlap. And yeah, MF Doom is definitely all about that. So yeah. yeah, just wrapping up on this track, it's um it's basically an introduction to Vivon, the traveling vaudeville villain, and he's just smack talking and dismissing other MCs and uh being a dick. <laughs> dismissing, yes. Yeah. All right. So my number three is Johnny Blade from Black Sabbath. Or I should say, Johnny Blade. So this comes from Never Say Die, Black Sabbath's eighth studio album released in 1978. And it's about a knife-wielding maniac shocker, living on the streets, a product of society. Reportedly, the song was inspired by drummer Bill Ward's brother, who was involved in some violent gang activity as a kid, as a teenager. The lyrics are like, those that tried to burn him paid, you don't do that to Johnny Blade. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, it's fun. This, this album did not get a great reception when it came out. Ozzy Osbourne even turned on it saying he was ashamed of the album. Which, what? I know, this is pretty heavy. I mean, it was the last album with the original lineup and the last album with Ozzy on vocals for like a long, long time. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like the bad vibes of the drama happening behind the scenes. Yeah. But I think yeah. the album's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. Did you see they recently performed together? I think for the first time. Well, two of them. Two of them, I think, maybe Mm-mm. in the UK. How recently? And Ozzy was singing and it, it sounded pretty awesome. I saw it on Instagram, like a video of the live performance. Like how recently are we talking like last weekend? Or last, oh God, that, that's very recent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had not seen recent. that. Oh, cool. I'll have to I'll look that up. Look it up on my smartphone in the <laughs> store. I didn't see that, but I did see a recent video of Motley Crue and it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, didn't hold up as much. Vince Neil running around like he's like Chief Wiggum. Like he's oh just so God. like fat and tired. <laughs> oh, that's oh, hysterical. No. Wow. Ah, oh, here it is. Ozzy Osbourne stages surprise Black Sabbath reunion at 2022 Commonwealth Games closing ceremony. So August 9th was when this was put out. Oh, yeah, Monday night, August 8th. Wow. Yeah, I totally missed yeah. that. Oh, good for him. I'll yeah. have to look that up. Yeah. All right. Moving right along, we're at number two. There Goes a Tenor by Kate Bush. Speaking of Kate Bush. So this is the third single from her fourth album, The Dreaming, released in 1982. And oddly, it's Kate Bush's only single that did not chart at all in the UK. And it even had a music oh. video and everything. It has a great it's, music video. I know. I love it. Wait, which one is that? Which video is that? There goes a tenor. They're bank is robbers. The one she's... Yeah, it's an oh, attempted okay. bank robbery and she's singing and they're like trying to pull off this heist. She's trying to pull off this heist with two partners and she's all paranoid and scared about things going sideways, which of course they do. And uh, everybody freaks out and they just want to go home. It's, it's a really cute video. The detail of the 
bank robbery is that they're all like stupid. Like they're, it's like a, it's like a very three stooges vibe. Totally clumsy. <laughs> she's got this like weird vocal affectation. She's like um, putting on this accent. I think people were kind of offended by that, but yeah, they're complete ditzes and it's funny. I don't know. But it was it was a bit too weird for some folks. I think the dreaming is definitely Kate Bush's more experimental album, but I love it for that. It's it's mad quirky, but super underrated in my humble opinion. I actually was thinking about putting Babushka on this list just because it kind of has like a sound that almost seems villainous in a way. It has that villain strut. That's crazy. I had Babushka on my list and I like, you did? T- I totally did for the, exactly the same reason. And then at the last minute, I remembered this song and I was like, oh, this one's like actually about her being a bank robber. I'll do that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I feel you nice. on the Babushka tip. Mm-hmm. All right. Drum roll. My number one villain Ooh. song. And it's actually not a villain song at all. It's the only one that has nothing to do with being a villain. <laughs> but this one has a lot of sentimental value um, for me. It's Hunter gets captured by the game, specifically the version by Massive Attack featuring Tracy Thorne. Things just ain't the same. Anytime the hunter gets captured by the game. I love Tracy Thorne. I love Tracy Thorne. And I love everything but the girl also. Yeah. Same. So this was released in 1995 on the Batman Forever soundtrack, which I cannot tell you how obsessed I was with that soundtrack when it came out. It had like such, it had all the jams on it, man. It had U2, Brandy, Seal, of course, obviously, PJ Harvey. <laughs> it had, um, oh, what's her name? Tell me now. Oh, Mazzy Star. <laughs> I, have to, <laughs> I have to sing the line and then her name pops into my head. Massive Attack, Tracy Thorne. This is a cover, of course. So Hunter Gets Captured by the Game was originally written by Smokey Robinson, and it first became a hit single in 1967 for the Marvelettes on Motown Records. In 1980, Grace Jones remade the song, and it was quite successful in the U.S. as well. Lots of famous covers, um, including Bette Midler, Blondie, Patti Smith, even Jerry Garcia, which is a a pretty cool version if you haven't heard that. (laughs) Do you know this song? Like a classic? I don't think so. Anytime the hunter gets captured by the game. I mean, if there's so many versions of it, I must. Yeah, I'm sure we've probably both heard it. But again, it's like one of those that's not, I don't remember it off the top of my head from the title alone, but I'm sure if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so in the song, it's just about this, this huntress stalking the object of her desire, her game. And she's like learned all his habits and she's laid all these traps only to end up being captured herself, right? But the arrangement, the massive attack arrangement, um, you know, obviously because they're trip hoppy, you know, it's very haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really sexy, but like definitely dark, which makes it so perfect for Batman, right? Um, and I have, I played this track out throughout the 90s. I love the song so much. And that is just the villain aesthetic, that sexy. Totally. <laughs> Femme fatale. Yeah, which yeah. I was going to say is like Grace Jones' total aesthetic too. She's a villain. Oh, yeah. She's my favorite She's a villain. villain. <laughs> yeah. But her version is like, her version is like super clubby though. Like you just want to get on the dance yeah. floor and party with her version. Yeah. I was going to say, she makes nightclubbing sound evil. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it though? At the core. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Embrace the evil. But yeah. Prancing around in the night, dancing totally, around yeah. in the darkness. That is my top five. Those are my villain jams. Yay. 
Thank you. That's a good list. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Guys. I love how varied it was. <laughs> it was really varied. It's all over the place. You can always count on that with me being completely scatterbrained. That's yeah. that's the best way to be when it comes to music. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. You need that diverse record collection. Like totally. some people really are like bringing home kind of the same thing over and over again. And that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking too, by the end of this, we have to see if we can either name our own villain archetype and kind of song for ourselves, maybe. Like our own villainous song. Mm. But whilst (laughs) we're thinking about that, I'm excited to hear what you have, Jada. Yeah. Let's get into it. Um, So yeah, I came up with five songs and it's so funny because they are all like, they were all featured in movies. And they were all featured in movies within like a three year span, like 98, 99, 97, 98, 99. So very of a certain time. And I feel like late 90s, like pre-millennium is a very good time to be a villain. So my first one that comes up is Simon Says by Pharaoh Monch. Get the fuck up. Simon Says, get the fuck up. Throw your hands in the sky. Hell yeah. So I just, it comes in with this sample, which is actually the theme song from Mothra versus Godzilla, originally released in 1964. So it already has this like classic, like evil, something bad is going to happen. It does sound like a monster. And then obviously Pharaoh Monge like comes in and goes really hard. Um, so this was in an iconic scene with Sam Rockwell and Charlie's Angels. And he was a villain. He's got like a secret lair inside of a volcano. He puts this song on as he's about to deploy some kind of villain super weapon. He's got these like red tinted sunglasses on, very 1999. And he's drinking a can of Coca-Cola classic through a red straw and kind of doing this like moonwalk shimmy thing with a boombox. And um, yeah, it is a very classic villain moment. The video on YouTube has about 2 million views just of that clip alone. And it even that scene even has its own article on Vice. So it's an iconic moment. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. And I actually, um, I just watched the movie today because I had not ever actually sat through it. And it was a pretty cool scene. Something else to know about this song that Pharaoh Monch was kind of a villain in his own way because he, I guess, did not take care of all the copywriting for the sample. So he was sued <laughs> by the Japanese production company that put out oh, Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> and um, his, this distribution of his album was halted. So I don't know whatever happened with that, but the song is on Spotify. It'd be cool to come across a 12-inch single of that. I would love a little <laughs> yeah. white label action. <laughs> But yeah, probably very expensive. <laughs> I love that song. Simon Says is one of those tracks that like takes me back to my school days. We played that out so hard. It makes me want to be a villain. Totally. <laughs> yep. That was the house party jam back in the day. It is a vibe. It is a vibe. And that could, I mean, there's so many good different kinds of villains that would work for it. Like obviously stupid, like spy movie, super villain is great for that. But I could also see like an evil football player. <laughs> some kind of like evil evil frat boy in a convertible or something (laughs) so um, oh yeah like that's like a 
like a serial killer vibes, like someone who probably is like very successful, like business person in the day and then by night is like creeping. Or like, yeah, like brawl in the alley behind the nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> so um, next up, I feel like Terry will really appreciate this one, but Imperial Teen Yoohoo. <gasps> I- goodness imperial teen <laughs> it's such an iconic villain moment um courtney shane and jawbreaker probably the most evil bitch maybe of the 90s <laughs> period rose mcgowan is scary she- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that scene of the girls and jawbreaker they just killed their friend liz per for her birthday and stuffed her in their trunk and um this song is playing as they're doing their first walk down the high school halls, trying to act like everything is normal. Then they go into the women's bathroom and kick everybody out viciously. And um, it made such an impression on people that it was actually that same scene was parodied with the villain that Jamie Presley played in Not Another Teen Movie. They used the same song because what an impact. (laughs) Wow. But it does kind of have that like, the villainy psychosis at the end, like where there's like kind of like a little ad libbing of somebody on the phone, like, hello, I know you're there. Hello. <laughs> With this kind of like weird, weird guitar sound. So it is kind of like feels a little crazy making, which villains are all about. I recently went on a hunt on Spotify for some Imperial Teen. And of course, the album that I wanted wasn't there. Yeah. That uh, Seasick album that has um, your one. They don't really have anything on there. 96. They do have that song though, but it's because it's on the soundtrack, I believe. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what I found it on too. So. Where are they now? Where where are they now? I didn't know that there was a member of the punk band, The Dicks, in that band. Oh, what? No, I didn't know that either. Lynn Truell. So I guess and. I mean, I learned a lot from Wikipedia last night. <laughs> but um, yeah, Lynn Truell, one of the members, was in a San Francisco reincarnation of the Dicks, which I didn't even know existed. I only knew them as a Texas band. Oh, wow. And that first album, Seasick, the one that I wish was on Spotify, was produced by Steve McDonald, who was in Red Cross. Oh, see? wow. I mean, just about a super group. Because they've got the member of Faith No More, too. I mean, wow. Mm. <laughs> cool. And Hey Willpower. One of those yep. guys is in Will- Hey Willpower. Yep. So that one that one came out in 1998, that movie that it was in with their villain. And um, my next one. So I feel like this wasn't really like a villainous moment in the movie that it was featured in. It was more of a mischievous moment. But to me, in my villain world, I feel like it's a villain song. But Sexy Boy by Air. Like, mm. it's just bad. Like, I just feel like you can, like, make some trouble. You can, like, be having, like, a villain origin story to that song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of Air songs, well, isn't there a whole thing is to, like, make this, like, sexy lounge music, 70s porn kind of style electronic mm-hmm. lounge music? So I, I feel like 
a lot of that really fits into those like Bond style yeah. movies with yeah. villains and yeah, I could see like seductive, see evil, yeah. evil and seductive, sexy. What? Yeah, Natalie was saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was in Ten Things I Hate About You. Everybody knows that iconic scene where the boys are throwing the flyers for the house party down the stairwell, and it has that really cool shot that's kind of like that spiral. So not really evil, but definitely like mm, not the best intentions. Um, so that came out in 1999. And um, yeah. I think that totally works. It's like yeah. the the cute face, right? You don't expect <laughs> it. That's like the worst kind too. You don't see it coming, you know? Yes. Then they've got mm-hmm. you cornered, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, But I love a stupid villain too, <laughs> which brings me to, <laughs> which brings me to number four. Edwin Collins, A Girl Like You. I love it. So, I mean, Rex Manning and Empire Records, he's a villain, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not good. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, Renee Zellweger's character is like not really good in that moment either. Yeah. <laughs> I love that very flat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like picturing them both. In the movie. I need to watch that movie again. It's been a really long time. I haven't watched it in a while either. And I, I actually had to go look at a couple of clips, but um, <laughs> she was so cute. <laughs> Everybody, the sure. wardrobe and was so cute. Everyone. Yeah. Liv Tyler. Yeah. And was the girl the girl that was also in the craft? I don't oh. remember her name, but she was also in Empire Records, and she shaved her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't remember her name. I'm so bad about that. Yeah, but um, you know, I always thought. Well, I mean, I always until I knew. But I mean, doesn't it sound like Iggy Pop? Like he really sounds like Iggy Pop in that song. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> I can hear that. Um, and then I come to find out that Iggy Pop nearly recorded that song. Oh, that's Whoa. hysterical. Yes. I didn't know that. Which, I mean, let's get a duet. How about that for Record Store Day? <laughs> That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Speaking of Iggy Pop duets, the one of him um, doing Christmas rapping with Kylie Minogue is so funny. <laughs> that's a good one. And with Peaches. I like him with Peaches. Too. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're a great, a great, great, great team up. Um, Those two together would be fun villain duo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has he played a villain? I feel like City the Crow, City of Angels, isn't he in that one? Oh, is he? Oh, I miss that. I don't know. It might just be somebody who reminds me of him. I can't think of him in any movie except Crybaby, actually. Oh, yeah, he's totally in City of Angels, The Crow. (laughs) I don't know which character, though. Hmm. Well, so yeah, I feel like this Edwin Collins song, um, it definitely has that like dumb, seductive, bimbo villain vibe that I love so much. it's just sexy and bad. And um, yeah. for my final villain anthem is Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Cause it's a bittersweet symphony that's like- Iconic 90s villain shit. I actually had to rewatch Cruel Intentions last night to get the full effect and remember how iconic it was. And God, that movie, it seemed so serious when it came out and watching it last night. I was like, this is so stupid. It's so dumb. But um, so yeah, 
that song is the final song of the movie, which actually that had a really good soundtrack too. That's a Richard Ashcroft's origin song. That is, he's a villain, I feel like. He's a villain. He's definitely a villain, especially in the music video for Bittersweet Symphony. He's definitely being a villain, like knocking over. bashing into all the, yeah, (laughs) bashing into all those people. A lot of them are women too. Hey. (laughs) Chris Martin said that that song is the best song ever written. So that's pretty strong. Um, It is also called the third greatest Britpop song of all time by Rolling Stone behind common people Ugh, and don't look back nice. in anger by oasis common people obviously being by pulp um both oasis brothers are also villains they are <laughs> villains i feel like <laughs> uh, they're lovable villains like liam is obviously the worst the worst one out of the two but in the best way <laughs> and also so are Mick jagger and keith richards Especially for taking all that money from that sample that they also ripped off. Yeah. (laughs) And they, in turn, gave it back, you know, gave back some writing credits to Richard Ashcroft. But like way after (laughs) it was popular back in the 90s where they made so much more money off of it than he did. But Britpop is like all about drama. I feel like Britpop is like a villain genre. What I learned recently was that that final scene of the movie was actually written to specifically have that song and it cost them 10 percent of the movie's overall budget like what yes like oh maybe gosh. because of all of the goings on about it because that was like the, a very like hot issue a hot unresolved issue for a long time but yeah it i guess uh it ended up costing them about a million dollars just to get that song but it made it made the movie it made it the really movie. Did. And um, it's funny because like in that story, Cruel Intentions slash Dangerous Liaisons, everybody pretty much, every character is a villain in that movie. And then in the Verve Rolling Stones story, kind of every character is a villain too. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Whoa. So yeah, that's my five of a certain time from 1995 to the top villains and all all from movies too or at least were featured in movies not necessarily yeah luckily for me i mean i like music but one thing i'm not is a film buff so i was like wow they actually were (laughs) yeah i don't worry i feel like i feel like i can really only focus on one thing at a time and so music is where my focus goes (laughs) that's awesome jada So we know you are a DJ. You often are spinning vinyl. I know you did a whole set and recorded it using 45s only. Yeah, yeah. How did you set it up? Like, how did you choose all your selections? How'd that go? Tell us about it. So yeah, I got approached by this guy, Christos, who I believe lives in London. Um, But he's got a project called 45 Day going on um, that he puts together on Mixcloud. They've also got their own website and everything. Um, So he just finds vinyl DJs around the world and asks them to do a 45 minute set of all 45s. And the theme for the one that I did was an uplifting mix, which was fun, but also its own challenge because I realized, um, yes, I'm a DJ, but I'm also a bit of a bimbo. So maybe I should be DJing with more 45s, but I realized I actually don't have that many um, compared to LPs. I actually play mostly LPs. So it was a challenge in that way because I, while I do have a collection of 45s, a lot of them are like punk songs and um, not uplifting. <laughs> uplifting to me or have been at one point in my life. <laughs> Yeah. But um, 
I just wanted to keep it really fun and easy to listen to. And um, so, yeah, I played kind of like my usual open format mix um, of all different kinds of stuff. Like I had like silly stuff like Double Dutch Bus and uh, Kid Creole. Um, I played some Talking Heads. Uh, what else did I play? I played like some some like garage rock and power pop from like the early mid aughts from when nice. I was like a little spiky haired teen. <laughs> <laughs> so where can we hear it if we wanted to listen to it? So if you go on Mixcloud, I think you can just search in the search bar 45 day. And they've got, um, they collect all of their submissions and put them all together. And it's been really great. There's a ton of them and all different kinds of DJs, all different kinds of music. I've heard so much, so many new songs just clicking around on there. And there's a lot of really cool female DJs. So I love that. And um, the founder of 45 Day, Christos, he has a daughter who can't be more than 12. And she is already a vinyl DJ and already playing shows. And like, I mean... That's impressive. Better than me. Probably definitely better than me. But uh, she's got her own like little following too. So I love her. That's cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And that is her villain origin story also. Yes. (laughs) She slices people's heads off with her vinyl records. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Well, shall I get into my list? I want to hear it. Let's do it. I really just went for I, the villain vibe. Like I totally went all from villain vibe. And I also kind of looked into villain archetypes. And so I just want to read them off because I've labeled the villain archetype for each song also. You know, Virgo had to go a little extra yes. on this. But there's the deviant villain. Deviant villains are defined by their defiance of societal norms. There's the devoted villain, devoted to a certain cause or person. The fallen villain is the darkest sort. These villains are representing an open embrace of evil. There's the power-mad villain who seek power at any price. Visionary villains dream of a better world. And inhuman villains who lack of humanity and make their sense of morality and logic far different than normal people. So, with that being said... Number five on my list is Bonnie and Clyde, Serge Gainsbourg yes. and Brigitte Bardot, 1968. We all know Bonnie and Clyde, uh, American criminal couple who traveled the United States with their gang during the Great Depression, robbing banks, robbing from stores and funeral homes. But uh, yeah, they ended up, they murdered like nine police officers and like four civilians. And then they were eventually ambushed and shot to death in Louisiana. So uh, yeah, real life villains, bank robber, bank robber lovers, the best kind of villain. <laughs> the horny villain um, archetype, again. Horny, always horny. horny. Villain. Yeah, villains are very, they, villains over sexualize everything. So, of yeah. course, Serge is on there. They're insatiable. Serge is horny villain <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But he wrote this song based on the poem that Bonnie Parker herself wrote weeks before they were shot called The Trail's End. But it's in French, actually. But yeah, I I don't know. I I labeled this one either deviant or visionary. So um, either, you know, the deviant are defying societal norms or visionary is her dream of a better world. And so I kind of feel like they felt what they were entitled to, the bank's money and like all this other stuff. So I don't know if that one really fits, but that's my take on it. Antihero can all, I mean, antihero is villain too. 
That's true. That's true. All right. Number four is Happy House by Susie and the Banshees. So this one, you know, it kind of has that guitar riff that's like, (laughs) and it's just kind of creepy, right? And it's also named Happy House. So I think automatically creepy fun house clowns and stuff like weird mirrors and and, um, trick doors and stuff. I don't know. But (laughs) it's from their third album, Kaleidoscope. Here's some lyrics. We've come to scream in the happy house. We're in a dream in the happy house. We're all quite sane, ain't, ain't. Like that's such a creepy clown vibe to me. Yeah, very Joker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought this was interesting. When asked if Happy House was a cynical song, Susie replied, it is sarcastic in a way like television, all the media. It's like adverts. The perfect family, whereas it's more common that husbands beat their wives. Their mental family is really, but the projection is everyone is smiling, blonde hair, sunshine, eating butter without being fat, and everyone being perfect. (laughs) Eating butter without being fat. (laughs) When did that happen? Yeah, this this video is really creepy to me. And yeah. I think you nailed it. I, I never thought about like the, the creepy clown thing so much. I was just always weirded out by like the checkerboards and like the visual illusion of the, yeah. the floor in the room and everything. It was just weird. That yeah. song also makes me think of Mindless Self-Indulgence, who sampled that song. Like oh, yeah. I can't hear that song without remembering that sample. <laughs> I got that CD for free when I was a kid from Criminal Records. Oh. And it just kind of stuck with me. <laughs> so random. I also feel like Spellbound could have worked as well. Maybe yeah. more on the like witchy end of the villain spectrum. Yeah, definitely a sexy villain for sure. Happy House is very I, like demented. Yeah, it's like yeah, demented clown vibes. Yeah. All right. So number three from ABBA is Money, Money, Money. This is the Cruella de Vil type power mad at any price I will have. Yeah. And so this actually was sung from the viewpoint of a woman who, despite hard work, can barely keep her finances in surplus and therefore desires a well-off man. (laughs) But if you put it with Cruella de Vil instead, it, it has its own kind of mating, I think, in the villain realm. Um, but some lyrics. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. This is very Disney villain, for sure. Also, like, I see yeah. the, like... <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I don't know, Black Widow or someone who marries rich and then poisons them slowly and then just gets their insurance money. Yes. <laughs> It's very like old hag in a fur coat for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Like the long cigarette holder. Yes. Um, Who the villain in um, the rescuers. She was awful, but I'm thinking of her too. She like was the orphanage lady, but she was so mean. She was so mean to the little orphan. (laughs) I don't remember. She was just like another, she was like a redheaded Cruella basically. It was just that same character, but in a, in in a swamp. (laughs) Lots of villains are redhead. Yeah, it's an evil hair color. <laughs> it's an evil hair color. It's red. It's interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. You didn't even hesitate to say that. That's it's so red, funny. like the devil. <laughs> Just like, doesn't the Riddler even have red hair? 
Oh, he does. That's pretty incriminating. Sorry, redheads. I think because like <laughs> it's just that like um and I actually the um Poison Ivy. Yeah, and the the yeah. villain in the Jessica Incredibles Rabbit? who was Jason Lee, I think. He had red hair and just like that angry ginger is just believable. Chucky. <laughs> Chucky. Oh, Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> all right. We love redheads. Remember the we MIA we video where all the redheads were being sure. murdered? <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> It was pretty I don't graphic. I do remember that. It was like um, oh. it was like a war themed video where it was supposed to. It was kind of like um, like a commentary on racism, but they used gingers. Anyways, it was pretty intense. Gosh, sounds intense. Anyways, redheads are not inherently evil, but I've got my eye on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, number two. Yeah, number two is from 1953, Lilac Wine, Eartha Kitt. I lost myself on a cool, damp night, gave myself in that misty light, was hypnotized by a strange delight under a lilac tree. Now, Lilac Wine is not necessarily a villain song, but when Eartha Kitt sings it, oh, yes. it's a villain song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. It's a villain song. Originally written by James Shelton in 1950, but then originally put on her album, The Bad Eartha, a.k.a. Villain, <laughs> uh, in 1953. Um, the lyrics are a narrative of heartache at losing a lover and taking solace from wine made from a lilac tree. The song focuses on... Um, Totally ripping this from Wiki, by the way. But the song focuses on the blissful oblivion achieved by becoming intoxicated. <laughs> Covered by so many people. My favorite cover of this song is from Jeff Buckley. And I think his version sounds like really sweet and loving and almost forlorn, kind of sad. But yeah, Eartha's version is like, I'm going to poison everyone with my lilac wine. All right. She's got the so. cauldron set up. She's making a potion. Yeah. She's so a, she's like devoted villain or fallen villain, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love her. She's great. <laughs> she is a villain. Yeah. The, the best kind. Yeah, best kind. she's that like sexy, deceptive, funny. Like villains always say like corny one-liners that are just like only a villain can say that. And she has that <laughs> <Yeah>. vibe. <laughs> that one video, There's, I think everyone's seen it. There's a video on YouTube where a man's like, would you ever want to compromise for a man? And she says, compromise for what? <laughs> for what? Yeah. <laughs> this is my life. Why would I have to compromise for anyone else? Yeah, I mean. Especially a man. <laughs> big facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that video. All right, so we are on the last song, my top five villain songs. And it is from 1986, First We Take Manhattan by Leonard Cohen. (laughs) First we take Manhattan Then we take Berlin Just by title alone. (laughs) Yes, actually. Um, So it was first recorded by Jennifer Warren's, believe it or not, for her album Famous Blue Raincoat, which is entirely all uh, Cohen songs. But the lyrics are suggestive of um, end time stuff. It's very apocalyptic in tone, but this guy, Ben Hewitt in The Guardian wrote, he's imagining Cohen greedily eyeing world domination like a Bond villain. And then Michael Gilmore from Rolling Stone wrote, 
<laughs> a threatening vision of societal collapse and a terrorist revenge. So yeah, villain, terrorist, but Cohen himself said that, he said, I think it means exactly what it says. It's a terrorist song. <laughs> I don't like it when it's manifested on the physical plane. I don't really enjoy the ter- terrorist activities. I remember there was a great poem by Irving, Irving Layton that I once read. I'll give you a paraphrase of it. It was, well, you guys blow up an occasional airplane and kill a few children here or there, he says. But our terrorists, Jesus, Freud, Marx, Einstein, the whole world is quaking. <laughs> okay, Cohen, you sound a little bit like a villain. Yeah, long-winded and just like, shut up. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Yo, these lyrics are crazy. (laughs) These lyrics are really, really intense. Like, yeah, just reading it, I'm shooketh already. Yeah, I I selected a chunk of lyrics to read aloud. Ah, you loved me as a loser, but now you're worried that I just might win. You know the way to stop me, but you don't have the discipline. How many nights I prayed for this to let my work begin. First we take Manhattan, (laughs) then we take Berlin. That's the one. Are you with me, Pinky? That's I the can one just I see him. Yes, on. brain. Just yeah. like pacing around. Like, yeah, oh, I <laughs> yeah. can see it. Pinky and the brain vibes for real. <laughs> Pinky and the brain. Very, very, oh, yeah. That's like yeah. some good villains. Oh, I loved that. That's a great yeah, one. This is a really fun prompt, Jada. I think, he, honestly, my favorite, you really blew me away with the ABBA song because it was just so, is that dumb villain, that dumb cartoon villain. Yeah. But also, <laughs> listen to it. It's such, it sounds like. It like is. It like. In like a, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a jazz dance <laughs> behind it, you know, like, like, yeah. Bob Fosse, but with a fur coat. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Kick-ass um, list. Should we do our short lists? Uh, yeah. I had a psycho killer, talking heads. I had um, sympathy for the devil. I had Robert Johnson, uh, me and the devil. Or I already didn't write that one down, but it was definitely one of those ones. Something with the devil in it. Natalie, what about you? Okay, I had, I put a spell on you uh, Ooh, yeah. from Hocus Pocus <laughs> and the Nina Simone version. Um, Very evil. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had robbery, assault, and battery from Genesis. Ooh. And... I also had Babushka on my list. <laughs> nice. Which Tana, what could about you? be like, that could be after money, money, money for sure. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like the the second part two. Um, <laughs> I have Kim Petras, Wrong Turn, which is totally a villain song. That whole album is, it's her like Halloween themed <laughs> album. It's like definitely like the gay villain. She's a villain. Yeah, <laughs> she's, a gay villain. She's yes. a gay villain and I love her. <laughs> um, Doing Time by Sublime. Or the Lana Del Rey version. That's just kind of a villainy oh, song. It's that cool she's, yeah. summertime villain. Um, summertime villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that sweaty villain. Um, Moving in Stereo by The Cars. This has a villain Moving song. Moving in Stereo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, that has that villain creep. Like, I feel like yep. I can... Jazz walk. I can do something bad. Out. Yeah, in the dark. <laughs> do something bad in the dark to that song for sure <laughs> um yeah and then oh uh the jump off Lil Kim I feel like I could definitely be like oh, a hot mean girl okay. villain to that one yeah I could definitely yeah. like claw somebody's eyes out or like throw somebody thought, out of a car <laughs> I was throwing a bunch of these on the playlist and Chun-Li was definitely on that Chun-Li sure. yes I was yeah. thinking that is a really good fresh villain song that shit is so funny <laughs> she just cracks me up Nicki Minaj is so 
funny. She is, for sure. So before we lock up the store, we usually restock our employee recommendation shelf. Natalie, what do you have for us this month? <laughs> I'm going to just go with uh, the Batman Forever soundtrack. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have Evergreen. Yeah. We, should, we should all be spending that again to not forget how <laughs> amazing it is. You know, I feel like I'm always recommending books, but I'm really into this one right now. It is Flea's biography. Oh. Acid for the Children. I swear this man must be the most sensitive man ever. He is getting choked up at every chapter. Oh. He starts talking about something that either makes him really happy or really sad, and he just gets choked up. And you can hear it in the audiobook. Oh. I love the audiobooks. You can hear the actual person who wrote the book reading it. And yeah, it just brings another layer to it. Like he was talking about his friendship with Anthony Kiedis, and he starts crying. Or he talks about the death of this you know, uh, pianist that used to live with him and his family when he was a kid. And he started tearing up. And it's just... And I recently saw... The Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I'm not even finished with this book, but I, having heard some of it already, I just felt so connected to Flea on stage. <laughs> I was like, I just love him. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so highly recommend Acid for the Children. Even if you don't really like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just listen to this man's story. It's it's wild. <laughs> um, My recommendation, I guess as long as I'm... Oh, yeah. I guess as I'm... You should do this. <laughs> um. Uh, I just watched, uh, that documentary about Woodstock 99 train wreck and <gasps> speaking of flea, he's obviously in it and his wiener. Um, <laughs> I binged the whole thing last night and it's horrible and great. And everybody in it is a villain. I'm concerned. I think most of the people that were at Woodstock 99, I'm like, where did they go? I think the gathering of the jugglers and the January 6th insurgents. <laughs> oh God. Yikes. So what, why are there two Woodstock 99 documentaries? I don't, Do I didn't two? watch the other one. This one was really good. This one was pretty good. I didn't realize how much bad stuff happened over those three uh, days. Yeah. It was pretty horrifying. But um, this was, this was good in a way that I didn't feel like I needed to turn away or anything because it wasn't, yeah. they did it in a good way that kept the pace up. And obviously there's some really, really good footage of Gavin Rossdale's stomach. So even just Ooh. on that is my recommendation. <laughs> he is so cute. So, is he a villain? I kind of oh, think he's a villain. No. Gwen is a he's villain. Not a vi no, Gwen's Gwen? the villain. <laughs> she's a dumb, what did you call it? A dummy? Uh, she's a, she's like a dumb hot bimbo villain. For sure. Bimbo villain. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Burn. I guess, I don't know. Could he be a villain? Maybe maybe just from the British accent alone, but that's not really fair. I think she's... We all are a little bit. I mean, she was wearing cornrows like as recently as like two months ago, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Gosh. Oh, man. Well, this is extremely fun chat. Yeah. You should... Uh, thanks for hanging with me. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for hanging out with us in, uh, in the store and talking about villains. I can't wait to listen to your 45 mix. Oh, thank you. And, and happy National Final Record Day. Oh, yeah, oh, it sweet. is. Okay, now I have to go buy records and spend all my money. It is right. I just got paid. All right. Well, shall we lock up the store, Natalie? Go home. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, Jada. This was a lot of fun. It's nice to see you. 
Yeah. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to call it a day. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. You've made it to the end. Thanks for listening. And now let's check out what a few of our friends and fellow listeners have to say about their favorite villain songs. Hi, this is Laurel from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, If we are talking favorite villain songs, then I am going with a literal villain song. It's Pat Carroll singing Poor Unfortunate Souls in the 1989 Little Mermaid. Uh, Pat Carroll's voice is absolutely perfect for this song and her delivery of repented seen the light and made a switch true yes kills me every time if i want to feel like a villain then i'm just going to go to the queen villain uh but if we are talking about songs in popular culture that are less literal i'm going with beyonce six inch heels from the album lemonade featuring the weekend six inch heels she walked in a club like nobody's business It is the ultimate uh, revenge, vengeance vibe because stacking that cash and looking hot is the best revenge that anyone can get. Hi Tara, hi Natalie. It's Matt from Hull, England, longtime customer and friend of the store. Tara invited me earlier today to pop in and let you know some songs with a villain vibe for Halloween. So in the grand tradition of the store, I've got myself a little top five for you. Um, Number five. Son of Sam, Elliot Smith, probably one of the most upbeat songs I've ever heard about a serial killer. Might not be the most foreboding and creepy of songs, but it does feel like it needs a mention because it's a song that I really like and it is about a serial killer. Number four, Tear You Apart, She Wants Revenge. Vampires are probably my favourite of all the horror movie monsters and this song was used in a series of American horror story where Lady Gaga was a vampire at the hotel um, this song is about someone getting a crush on somebody at school, but with like really creepy serial killer vibes, um, kind of a serial killer in training sort of thing. Number three, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. I love the weird guitar effects that run through this song. Um, apparently they were all done live and it was recorded in one take. Um, love that fact it fits the old horror style perfectly and i just like all the mentions of uh, vampires and vampirish things number two we suck young blood by radiohead um it's creepy it's really foreboding it's just an amazing song absolutely sound like you've walked into a kind of a dusty castle and it's been sung on a piano deep in the heart of the place and it's just really creepy love it number one Lullaby by The Cure. So I think once this song came out, every thought in Tim Burton's head was based around this. Um, Sounds cute in places, but it's kind of got that cartoon creepiness. Um, Just listening to the lyrics, stealing past the windows of the blissfully dead, looking for the victims, shivering in bed. What more do you want out of a villain, really? It's super good. Um, I've had this exact sleep paralysis dream, I think, after listening to the song, and it's a really creepy one. So yeah, I think the Spider-Man is definitely my favorite song-based villain. Thanks a lot. See you later. I'm Sean from East Point, Georgia, and my favorite villain song might be Black Sabbath, the self-titled song from the self-titled album, Black Sabbath. Why not? Chosen. 
really dark a figure in black standing in front of the bed. Black Sabbath is always a go-to for villain songs. Um, Iron Man, about a villain. Supernaut, uh, the narrator is the villain. Um, but Black Sabbath itself is the darkest one. Hi, my name is Rob, and I live in Atlanta. One of my favorite songs about villainy is Stone Cold Crazy by Queen. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.